Hello and welcome to Communities Forward. I'm your host, Terrell Carter. Communities Forward seeks to share the stories and experiences of people who are making a positive impact within their communities and neighborhoods, especially in the St. Louis metropolitan area. The Communities Forward podcast is brought to you by RISE Community Development. And you can learn more about RISE and how we participate in the process of helping neighborhoods and communities become healthier and more equitable at www.risestl.org, www.ristl.org. Today's episode is part two of our interview with Michael Woods, co-founder and executive director of Dream Builders for Equity. Dream Builders for Equity works to develop economically sustainable and socially engaged communities by growing equity for youth, businesses, residents, and real estate. Michael is a St. Louis native and North City resident, and he's a certified personal trainer, published author, entrepreneur, and mentor. And he holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology from Lindenwood University. Michael's passion is unifying all communities towards creating a better future and is informed by the hopes and needs of those who are often forgotten. Today's episode is an extremely personal episode in that Michael talks about how he made uh, multiple poor decisions as a teenager, including uh, selling uh, drugs. And he talks about what that decision did to him and his future and the challenges he had to overcome or the decisions he had to make to get himself back on the right path and how those decisions led to him becoming a published author, a future leader, and a mentor to students who also face face challenges in their lives. Hope that you enjoy this episode. So then I go to Lutheran North, which is a private school. Um, And this is my first time being in school with folks that aren't Black. So we got um, I think it's, it was probably 60, 40 or 50, 50 with black and white at that school. But um, so that was, that was new. That was like, a, that was extremely new. But then also the way that the students approached their education blew me away. So I'm at Lutheran North and I remember the first day of class I'm in the back of the classroom and we were in Mr. Mac class. It was a history class. And um, this kid, Brandon Townsend, sorry for bringing you up, Brandon, but it's, I think it's a good story for Brandon. But um, we're sitting in the back of the class laughing, joking, talking. This is my first day. I'm meeting a new friend, but we completely not paying attention to the class at all or to the teacher at all. Uh, but at the end of the class, Mr. Mac says, hey, everyone, pass up their work like we had an assignment pass up the assignment I look over at Brandon and I'm like oh man bro we didn't even do the assignment we tripping bro we should have did the assignment and Brandon was like nah bro I, I did mine I was like what you talking like he had completed the work and not only completed it but like Brandon was an honor roll student and I started to realize that was kind of normal in that space like all of these kids were trying to get scholarships they were trying to you know either academically or athletically they were really thriving and shooting towards their goals and their dreams and I promise you I did not know what that was I did not understand it I saw that model by my sisters both of my sisters probably had 10 degrees um, together or maybe even more than that they're extremely educated but if my peer group that I was surrounded by uh, we were we were doing the opposite, and, and Lutheran North was uh, was a was a was a big shock for me. Like that was a big shock for me, which actually worked out really well because of that. I'm also very competitive, 
and me being competitive when I'm seeing other people, you know, have straight A's and, and being on honor roll, I then wanted to like supersede that. So I made honor roll every every year uh, that I was at Lutheran North because of that was the environment and that's what was deemed as cool is to be able to succeed academically. And then going towards Walnut Park, um, Walnut Park, Moline was a tough neighborhood. And when I was at Riverview, we thought we were the toughest people in the in the world. Again, me being more of like the athlete and the spoiled kid, I still was around and still hung out with the the, the tougher, the tougher crew. So I always assume, hey, no one's tougher than my crew here at Riverview, here at Moline Acres. But then when I moved to Walnut Park, um it was it was night and day. Like that was it was a really, really, really tough time. This is like 2003, four, five, um, where there was a lot of gang violence, a lot of drugs. Um, and again, me being competitive, I want to be the toughest. I want to, um, and, and at the time, this is when, and I guess I'm going to go into a whole deeper level of my story, but this is the time where I actually started selling drugs. I started getting involved in a lot of, the the bad things that was in the community um and again i was in a competitive mode so i thought that i was being productive there were three types of folks that were there in my peer group and while apart you know you were either the video game player the drug user or what i deemed as the most productive uh was the drug dealer so i jumped on that path while also being at Lutheran North, a private school, while also having straight A's, and while also being voted most popular at this school, and then lastly, uh, going on to win a state championship in basketball and being on a, and being all conference and all of those great things. So, all of this was happening at the exact same time, and it was a lot to do with the community and the environment that I was in. But ultimately, uh, this story is what propelled me to 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 found Dream Builders, right? So I ended up the day after we won state. I ended up getting uh, a when I get to school, um, the principal say, "Hey, Mike, come to the office." And when I go to the office, um, I'm thinking I'm about to get like a trophy man of the year award. You know what I mean? Like we, I just got voted most popular. We just won state. I'm on honor roll. Like there's no way life could be better for me at 17 years old. I have multiple cars. I'm kind of living um, the dream that, that, that you would all want or that I wanted or that I always hoped to have as a kid. Um, so I get to the office and I immediately see like two green jackets. I think they were narcotic detectives and then a police officer. And I just already completely knew what was happening. Uh, they ended up expelling me from the school. Uh, I couldn't go to any more schools in Missouri. So I ended up going, moving to Chicago with my sister and attending alternative school and graduating from alternative school, uh, which then like kept me from pursuing any scholarships with basketball, kept me from even thinking I was going to go to college. Um, 
and that, and that was the that was a complete turning point for me as a human being is feeling somewhat used and abused in that setting uh, because I was celebrated every single day. I was championed every single day and everyone knew exactly what I was doing and no one pulled me to the side and said, hey, Mike, uh, you know, there's a better route. Like you don't have to do this. This isn't, this isn't good. Um, because it was so it was so accepted and no one ever questioned it. Um, again, as a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, um, I, I wasn't fully aware of its wrongness. Um, so again, this is when the writing started. This is when I wanted to change the narrative about myself. This is when I started to take deeper looks at myself and my life and understanding like, I I have to be the leader that I didn't have in that moment. Like I didn't have anyone that was willing to tell me to make a change. Um, and that's why I love the work that we're doing with Dream Builders is because I feel like I can connect on any level with any young person in high school. Like that's, that's just my, I, I'm almost stuck in that space always because of how traumatic, but also how rewarding it was for me. So when I see a young person who's struggling in school, I go back to my Riverview days. When I see a young person who's having challenges in sport, I go back to my Lutheran North days. When I see someone kind of veering down that wrong road of getting into gangs and drugs and the violence and stuff, I'm like, hey, I remember I could not only understand what they're going through, but I can also tell them, hey, how did, this is how I was able to get out of it. These are the things that happened to me that I want you to avoid. Um, and that's and that's what the young people are able to see and connect with uh, with all of the Dream Builders team members is that you know they can see themselves in us and we can see ourselves in them. They know we're not just feeling sorry for them. That it's more of uh, we're able to really feel whatever pain or whatever success or wins that they have in a real way because we also went through those things. So I, I have a question that I want to get to, but I'm going to veer for just a second. How did your parents respond to all of this then? Um, again, with the strong relationship that you had with both of them and yep. I, I imagine the dreams and things that they had in mind for you, how did they respond to you in, 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 during this time? Heartbroken, heartbroken. My mother, seeing my mother uh, cry, um, those, that, that's where you see this complete change. So like, it wasn't, it was like that moment. It wasn't even overnight. It didn't even take a night. It just took those tears to be like, okay, I'll never put her in, in that position ever again. And um, again, I still didn't recognize what I was doing was wrong because I thought that I was uh, being productive. I thought that I was being an entrepreneur, making money. I thought that, you know, the folks, like when you're in that environment, you genuinely don't want to be, any of the other people, you know what I mean? You don't want to be the one using the drugs. You don't want to be the one that's just twiddling his fingers playing the video games. Like you want to be like the people who are who are, are, are having some success. And if you're only seeing success in those lenses, that's what you're going to shoot for. And again, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to dream builders, 
But that's again what Dream Builders does. It's not about construction. It's really about exposing the young people to different ways that they could be successful and finding like what their true dream is. If you only see basketball, you only see drugs, or you only see music, you're just going to shoot for one of the three and, and, and hope for the best. And uh, but if you are being exposed to doctors, to lawyers, to construction workers, through bankers, like with, with, with construction and book publishing, it actually touches every aspect of the world. And we don't just show them the trades and the, the uh, we don't just show them the trades, we definitely highlight the trades, um, but we're showing them every angle of what goes into real estate. We show them the investors, we show them the legal teams that are involved. We show them the accounting processes of it all. We show every single angle of it with hopes that they then can say, this thing resonates with me. And then we then build up that dream and allow them to actually chase it. But my point was when you're in those environments, you only see a few things. Uh, and, and, and if, and if you are a competitive person, such as myself, you're going to try to be the best at one of those. Um, but yeah, my mother, seeing her cry and seeing her being heartbroken by my father, again, giving me that full autonomy to make whatever decisions I wanted, he never would have assumed that that was what I was doing with it. Um, because he saw, all he saw was the straight A's and he, all he saw was the perfect attendance. All he saw was the success in the sports. Um, and again, that was a that was a, a great moment for me is that like, hey, I don't want to ever potentially lose that trust that my father has for me. Uh, I don't ever want to potentially lose that trust that my mother has for me. Uh, but it also was a great moment because they were disappointed, but they didn't throw me away. It wasn't... Um, they still believed and knew that I could be any and everything that I wanted to be. And of course, in that situation, it would have been easier, it would have been easy to dig deeper into that lane to say, man, I just got expelled from school. I gotta go to alternative school. My diploma isn't gonna be as valuable. Like maybe I should just stick to doing the bad things. Um, but because I had parents, because I had um, sisters who had high expectations of me and really believed in me, um, it allowed me to say, yeah, this would just be my story. This would, I'm going to use this to empower other people and to change lives. And I knew it in that moment. I feel like that was like a very defining moment for me. I knew when I was being expelled that um, that I was only going to benefit from this. I wasn't going to allow that to hurt me. I knew then about owning your story, owning your narrative, and being able to shift that into something that impact the lives of others. So how did this transition then into, and you've mentioned this a couple of times, but I want to give you a chance to fully explain it. How did this then lead to Dream Builders? How did you go about developing Dream Builders from this moment? Yeah, so before dream builders um so after like in my college college was a defining moment for me so in college i wrote my first book and i bought my first investment property so like this is like 2009 when i bought my first investment property and i think i started writing the book uh, immediately when i got into college
Thank you for listening in to Communities Forward. You can find more episodes on your preferred podcast platform between Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, or Spotify. You can learn more about Rise Community Development, a nonprofit organization working to connect communities with local institutions and to empower the revitalization of neighborhoods in Greater St. Louis at risesdl.org. You can follow and support Rise on social media at Rise on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can also find us at RiseSTL on Twitter and Rise Community Development on Instagram. You can also check out our Young Professionals Board, who engages in collaborative, project-based work and research development to advance community revitalization in St. Louis. We also have a YP Board, and you can find them at Rise SDL YP Board on Facebook, Rise Young Professionals on Instagram, and Rise SDL YP on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the episode. So, um, those are the foundations of, of dream builders. So from me publishing a book and having like these sold out book signings, and then also like having uh, multiple investment properties where I would just rent them out and get the passive income, uh, and then jumping into the world of personal training and having that personal training business, having that partnership with the gym. Um, me and Neil met at church while I was still attending high school. We were both in high school. We were both two kids, um, and Neil is the co-founder of Dream Builders. He's a superstar, so everyone who's listening potentially already know who he is. But um, we would be on opposite ends of the church uh, on Sundays just by ourselves. So we wasn't with, like, our parents. We weren't uh, there because anybody made us be there. Uh, We were there alone in the back of the church on opposite end. I'll be on the left side, he'll be on the right side. And eventually I went over to him and I'm like, man, let me let me find out who this guy is. Or like, let's, let me become friends with him because I wanna know what's making him feel the urge and the necessity to come to church every Sunday by himself. I know that my mother instilled that in me. And I kind of, even when I was doing the worst things that I could do, I still felt, obligated to be at church and have a spiritual relationship with God. So I was trying to figure out what is that, that what is making him tick. Uh, so we became friends from there. Uh, just introducing myself to him, making sure that we stay connected. And it really was just that, you know, we would support each other, encourage each other, hang out every now and then. We weren't best friends or anything of that nature. We just had this mutual uh, respect and admiration for each other based in those church values. Um, so one day, again, after publishing the books, after having a little bit of success in the personal training world, the entrepreneur world, and then and having those investment properties, Neil was also thriving at US Bank CDC. So now this is Neil, you know, after getting two or three promotions, after buying uh, investment properties, um, I said, hey, Neil, like, let's let's meet. I want to figure out a way that we can kind of give this back, like all of this information, all of our success back to younger groups. So we went, I came over to his house, we sat on the couch, and we started plotting um, what is now Dream Builders for Equity. Uh, and it was really just based around our lived experiences and making sure that we're able to give that to you um, and help them avoid bumping their heads as much as we did 
Um, so that's why you see that, you know, uh, the youth have ownership in these properties. So they not only get to participate in the rehabs of these homes and get paid $15 an hour while they are doing so, they also get an equity stake. So every time we sell a home, we share portions of those sales with those youth in scholarship form. So they're able to do, they're able to go to college off of those dollars. They're able to potentially buy a vehicle off of those dollars. They're able to use those dollars to buy tools or equipment or whatever it need or whatever they would need to start thriving in the real world. Um, but then also that's why you see that while the young people are working on these properties and going through the Dream Builders program, they are required to journal, right? So we are journaling every single day with the youth. The youth are then able to compile those journals and then make it into a book that they didn't have 100% ownership of. So they receive every single dollar from the sale of those books. And we've probably sold upwards of $50,000 worth of books since 2017. And those dollars have been shared with the youth. Um, again, this is really based in both minds and Neil's lived stories and lived experiences. And we're able to give it to 16, 17 year olds um, and give it to them in a very safe manner. What are some of the opportunities for the organization? Again, you all have been in the news uh, a lot lately, again, for very, 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 very positive things. But what are some of the opportunities that you all are navigating for the near future? Yeah, so the biggest opportunity, because uh, we're place-based right now, we're in the Hyde Park neighborhood. Uh, this is the neighborhood that I live in. Um, it's a neighborhood where I have amazing friends and family in. So uh, again, this is more than a job for me. This is this is this is life. Like this is my real existence. Um, but we're a place based in the Hyde Park neighborhood. The biggest opportunity we have is to try to get it right in Hyde Park. Right to actually see if we can be a catalyst for transformation in this neighborhood. See if we can be uh, one of those first investments into the community that really transform the neighborhood um, and then also see if we can create the perfect model to then be able to scale and do this around the region and different cities and states. Uh, that's what I am really, really excited about right now is that if we can do this right in Hyde Park, um, so that's transforming this neighborhood, but then also creating that perfect pipeline of being able to connect youth to gainful employment or gainful entrepreneurship. Um, if we're able to do that, really hone in on the exact model that works, then we can then scale. We can then go into different communities and have that blueprint set up uh, and then be able to really make a, a deep impact on, on, on potentially the world. Like I would love for Dream Builders to be like a boys and girls club in every city, every state, um, but not just with sports and mentorship, but with actual like transformation of neighborhoods of underserved communities, and then also connecting young people to gainful employment and gainful entrepreneurship opportunities. I really believe that we are in a unique position to be able to solve for both of those things um, and then be able to do something that impacts millions and millions of lives. 
So that is what I am extremely excited about um, is that potential of getting it right in my current neighborhood, North St. Louis, uh, High Park, and then being able to potentially scale out the program. How do you locate the, the youth, the young people who participate, and what are the requirements for them to be involved in the program? Yeah, so it started off very formal. So we had relationships with, uh, I believe, like four schools in St. Louis City. Um, and then we will communicate with those principals. The principals would then identify young people that they thought were best suited. We would then meet with them um, and have like an application process, but also like give them an overview of what the work would be. Um, but now it's so organic, it's extremely organic. All of the kids that are, have ever been in our program since 2017 are still a part of our program in some capacity. And they are bringing their sisters, their brothers, their cousins um, to be in their program. So we're at a point where we are hiring uh, anywhere between 36 and 50 young people per summer. Uh, and then our alumni group is just growing and growing and growing and they're able to participate with us at whatever capacity that they have. A lot of them are now gainfully employed or in post-secondary education, but they're still coming back and participating at their capacity. So to be completely honest, um, we can't keep the youth away. Again, they're making $15 an hour plus, you know, the equity from the houses and the equity from the book sales. Uh, and then they get in that unconditional love. So um, it's, it's it's very hard to keep young people from, from, from trying to be in the program. And we don't turn anybody away. So we're almost trying not to advertise because we don't want to lose the the power of the intimacy that we have with a, with a smaller group. If one of our listeners wants to support what you all are doing, what are the ways that they can support or get involved? Uh, yeah, for sure. I would say visit our website. Uh, this is dreambuilders, the number four equity.org, dreambuilders for equity.org. Um, there are plenty of ways to, uh, to participate with us as volunteers. Um, but also, we always encourage everybody to become a monthly uh, donor. Um, that really gives us wings and allow us to, to continue to scale and grow. Um, we recently opened up a new store, a retail store. Um, it is called House of Vision. Uh, actually, we did some collaboration with you guys at Rise. I think we were in one of you guys' spaces over in... Um, and on 14th Street, right? 14th Street, right by Crown Candy. Yep, Old North uh, St. Louis. Yep, yep, Old North St. Louis, 14th Street. Um, this is an amazing store, right? So this is birthed out of, again, really just answering the needs from the community, answering the needs from our students. Uh, we know when we're building up neighborhoods, um, it's not just about the houses, right? So it's also about having some bit local businesses that people will want to frequent. It's about having childcare facilities. It's about all of those holistic things. Um, so this is where we birthed the stores. Like, hey, we know this community is, is missing a, a piece to have people driving in from other communities to visit. So, and then the other piece of the store is that 
our young people are so creative. We had multiple youth that had clothing lines, that had music, that had um, books that they were personally writing, um, all of those things, but they did not have that business savvy yet. They didn't have the structure. And of course they didn't have the equipment or the actual space to sell their products. So we then created a store called House of Vision that now allows for young people and community members to be able to access top of the line equipment, to make products, to make art, to make apparel, to make books. Um, they can access that equipment for free. And then they're also able to sell their products and we do all the administrative work to make sure that it's safe. So, this is essentially allowing people to jump into entrepreneurship, but again, with the safety net and with support. Um, so that's what a house of vision is. It's a it's a entrepreneur collaborative, but it's also a place where you can make and create. So I would say to the listeners, please come and visit that store. It's ran by uh, a student who used to be a student, then became an a intern, and now is actually leading the store. Uh, his name is Patrick Gutierrez. He's an amazing artist. He's a part of the actual inspiration for the store. He has clothing lines. He has all of those things. Um, so it's ran by him. And then a lot of our young people are being able to pick up hours, actually helping and assist um, the, the operations of the store. And then my brother, and at this point, you know, if you know Dream Builders, you know Dream Builders just couldn't be Dream Builders without uh, Demetrius, uh, Demarcus Turner, uh, we all call him Top. That's why I almost messed up his name. But Top uh, is also managing that store for us. And he does the most amazing uh, videography and photography. But now he's also co-leading uh, the store for us. So come and support the store, purchase the products. The dollars are going back to the youth, but then also going back to the organization to allow us not to have to be solely relying on grants and donations. We do believe that this will be a money generating uh, operation for us that will allow us to be able to scale and grow. We do large scale orders for embroidery, large scale order for screen printing. So if Rise or anyone is trying to get shirts made, um, come directly to us, man. Come see us. Come come work with our young people. Uh, we can get those products out for you as well. Thank you so much. I, I want to honor your time as usual. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to, to us and to share so much uh, about your story. It's clearly, and I hope you uh, understand, I hope I, this comes across the way that I'm intending. It's a story of redemption, a story of grace, which you both that you and I have acknowledged is an important word to us. A story of redemption, a story of grace, a story of hope, uh, dream building to say the least. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I look forward to having you on the podcast again in the future, if you're willing to be on and you can tell us even more about how the organization has grown and how you're making an impact in the lives of so many young people in St. Louis and uh, across the nation. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you allowing um, me to tell my story and to tell the mission of Dream Builders.
Hello and welcome to Communities Forward. I'm your host, Terrell Carter. Communities Forward seeks to share the stories and experiences of people who are making a positive impact within their communities and neighborhoods, especially in the St. Louis metropolitan area. The Communities Forward podcast is brought to you by RISE Community Development. And you can learn more about RISE and how we participate in the process of helping neighborhoods and communities become healthier and more equitable at www.risestl.org, www.ristl.org. Today's episode is part two of our interview with Michael Woods, co-founder and executive director of Dream Builders for Equity. Dream Builders for Equity works to develop economically sustainable and socially engaged communities by growing equity for youth, businesses, residents, and real estate. Michael is a St. Louis native and North City resident, and he's a certified personal trainer, published author, entrepreneur, and mentor. And he holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology from Lindenwood University. Michael's passion is unifying all communities towards creating a better future and is informed by the hopes and needs of those who are often forgotten. Today's episode is an extremely personal episode in that Michael talks about how he made uh, multiple poor decisions as a teenager, including uh, selling uh, drugs. And he talks about what that decision did to him and his future and the challenges he had to overcome or the decisions he had to make to get himself back on the right path and how those decisions led to him becoming a published author, a future leader, and a mentor to students who also face, face challenges in their lives. I hope that you enjoy this episode. <laughs> 